all of these people who showed up to these apartment owners events were sitting on millions and millions of real estate, but you would have never noticed by the way that they dressed. I'm talking mm. about flip-flops, sandals, uh, everything that you see at Costco that you can buy, that's what they were wearing, okay? So like, and, but they were dripped in money on the tax return. Mm. And that just appealed to me. They had so much time. They never worked. When they came into our office, you know, they sometimes didn't even know what day of the week it was. And three, two, one. You're listening to The Real Social Proof Podcast with Mr. Sleepless for Suckers himself, David Shand. Let's get it. Welcome to another edition of The Social Proof Podcast where you find dope people that did dope stuff. You're no different, right? I'm no different. <laughs> yeah, actually, you are a dope Maybe human a being, but other, like, successful people seek you out, yes? Yeah. Why? Because they have big tax problems Ooh. and they're trying to figure out how to mitigate it. Got it. Got it. So first, give me your and I don't know if you can even talk about this, but the biggest income client Mm -hmm. that you have, Mm -hmm. what did they pay? All right. So without giving details of who the client is, they're making north of 40 million dollars a year. Mm -hmm. Right. And I help them sell their company and pretty much was able to get their taxes down to just over six figures. So they paid about maybe $180,000, $190,000 in taxes, but we were able to offset everything else. And it's just about what we were doing from a tax credit standpoint before they sold their company that was able to offset all of the taxes that they would have paid and how we sold their company over the course of five years that deferred all the taxes that they would have had to pay. How long have you been doing this? Been doing this for seven years now. Seven years. But I got thrusted into it. Like I got thrusted into all the wealthy individuals. Like I didn't start off in the kitty zone. Right. I got I got thrown into the deep ocean. So all right, man, because I paid. I didn't make nothing like that last <laughs> year. And I paid more. I I pay a lot in taxes, bro. Yeah. I need assistance. Well, most people who pay a lot in taxes don't have a plan to not pay a lot in taxes. And that's when they start seeking out information on the law lo- online, Google, Wikipedia, you name it. And then you might run into my content and feel the need to schedule a call because hopefully my content is giving you information you haven't heard before. And that's really what I focus on. I give access to strategies that most people aren't putting out online. Is it a trust? I'm hearing a lot about trust. Is that I leverage trust too. Is that your main strategy? It's not the main strategy because not every single entrepreneur is ready for that level mm-hmm. of setting up trust and doing estate planning, yeah. but every single entrepreneur should have a trust. Absolutely. Because it's just a means to pass something off to your beneficiaries. I kind of look at it like, like a baton in a relay race. Mm-hmm. You want to make sure that your children get exactly what you're leaving. So you want to have a trust. That's all it is. Gotcha. Yeah. So from my understanding of this whole trust thing is you set up a trust, you... You don't own it, but you can control it, mm-hmm. right? But once the money's in the trust, you still gotta manage the trust, though. That's correct. That's what I'm. That's what I'm like, kind of leery about. Can I manage the trust? And you gotta probably hire somebody to manage the trust. So when it comes to trust, and this is different from IRS law, trust is based on contract law. So whatever is written in the contract is what you're capable of acting on. So if you have a business complex trust, 
You're able to write certain business items off based on what you've written in the contract. But then maybe the business complex trust donates money to your family trust. And now you're able to take additional deductions for items that was written in the contract inside of your family trust, such as groceries and household items. Mm. So I have a lot of clients that are able to write off a majority of their lifestyle simply by their level of estate planning. Gotcha. So for somebody who doesn't make money right now, yeah. okay, they're not making a whole lot of money, they wouldn't call you? Nope. Because they when don't do have a really start, big problem. When do people start calling you? Well, they've already solved the money problem, right? So people call me after they've already solved the money problem. Now that you've solved the money problem, you have a tax problem. So now that you have a tax problem, you start to realize there are certain entrepreneurs who just get with CPAs and file tax returns, which are what CPAs are really good at. They're certified public accountants. They account for everything that goes inside of your tax return. I'm a tax strategist. I meet with you outside of the CPA office and I'm figuring out how you're living your lifestyle, how you move, how you transition. And I'm leveraging the tax code to suit your lifestyle. So when you go into your CPA's office, all you're doing is handing over your documents and you're happy and clapping hands because you know you've reduced your tax bill ahead of time. Got it. So when, is there a number that people call you at or what? Yeah. So people reach out to me on Instagram, through my YouTube. Which no, I'm is, talking about like financial number. Once <laughs> I reach X amount of dollars, that's what I'm calling you. Yeah. Yeah. I would say if you're doing north of half a million net income, mm -hmm. you definitely should have a tax strategist on your team. I don't even think I introduced you, bro. I think we just got into it in my selfish question. It's okay. Introduce yourself, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm getting lost in the conversation. Carlton Dennis, uh, licensed enrolled agent, tax strategist, and avid, avid fan of the tax code because I believe it is the key to building wealth. Mm. All right. So you mentioned something. You said they once they once they figure out the money plan? Yep. The money problem. The money problem. Yep, what's the you, money problem? The money problem is not having to worry about how you're going to get your next meal, right? The money problem is, is how can I automate a system that constantly pays me? Because once I have a system in place, my next thing is, is how do I protect that system and the wealth, mm. right? And then you start to realize, oh, snap, I have to budget for taxes. And why am I having to budget more and more for taxes year over year? Maybe there's a way for me to not pay as much taxes so I can reinvest this money back into my business or just enjoy more of a lifestyle. And so mm. that's when I normally see entrepreneurs stepping over their CPA to call me or stepping over their tax professional to call me. They already been working with their CPA for the last five, seven, 10 number of years, but they realize there's something I must not be doing. And every time I reach out to this person, he's not really happy or he's more reluctant to try to help me. Mm. I think I'm getting killed in taxes, bro. Mm. We got to check. We got to check under the hood. Conservation easement. Mm. Cause I did one. Did you? Yeah. Okay. You like that? I like that. That's you a good strategy. Mm -hmm. Most people don't understand conservatory easements and deferral. You want to explain it? Cause uh, yo, really, I've been trying to explain it to me. I understand it, but I don't say it well. I'll be like, yo, what are you talking about? So, you want to explain it? Conservatory easement is a deferral, tax deferral strategy. When I think about conservatory easement, I also start to think about the 1031 exchange strategy, which is a strategy I'm leveraging pretty hard in my office right now. Part of the reason why we're leveraging the 1031 exchange strategy is because a lot of entrepreneurs have capital gains taxes that they're dealing with from owning assets. And we can 1031 exchange your property into another property and completely avoid the capital gains tax. And a lot of entrepreneurs don't realize this, that when you jump into rental real estate, we can create losses on the tax return that can offset your working 
income, your W-2 income, your 1099 income, your stock, your crypto, you name it, you can end up having positive income on your tax returns and buy rental real estate and leverage the losses to become 100% tax-free. Dang, you said a lot. You said a lot. It was something I was stuck (laughs) on, though. You said crap, bro. The 1031 exchange. Forward. Yep. Before, uh, after that. And then the losses that you can offset. The losses. Okay. Real estate. How do you... Okay. Give me the the real estate strategy that allows me to pay less in taxes. Yeah. So... When I talk about real estate strategies, I always start off with the history of what happened. Because if you wanna really understand this, the most easiest way to understand it is why the government changed the things that they changed when it came to real estate. Why the government changed the things that they changed. Mm -hmm. What did they change? So previous to 1987, W-2 taxpayers who were doctors, lawyers, attorneys, who were making over $250,000, which was considered a lot of income in 1987, the government did an audit consensus on these taxpayers and determined that a majority of taxpayers making over $250,000 are using real estate as a tax shelter to avoid taxes. Mm -hmm. Some of these uh, taxpayers were paying as low as 10% in federal income taxes, as low as 15% in federal income taxes. So what the government did was they created what's called the passive activity loss rules. They said passive- Passive activity loss rule. Yep. So they put some rules in place. And the reason why is because if you were a W-2 employee that worked a job and you were a, a doctor or a surgeon, you're spending 40 hours a week in your job. Mm-hmm. But all you had to do is just take all this hard-earned money, put it into real estate, and naturally real estate gives you so many losses because of depreciation. So taxpayers were using the losses from real estate to avoid 100% of their W-2 income. And the government caught on to this. They said, this is a tax shelter and we want to avoid this from happening to be able to collect on more tax dollars. So they created the passive activity loss rules. It separated passive income from non-passive income. Now it requires real estate investors to actually spend more time managing their own investments, which is something that a doctor or an attorney or a lawyer doesn't have time to do. So it disqualified a lot of W-2 taxpayers from being able to use real estate to offset their W-2 income or 1099 income. So how, so I I still don't understand how the law makes them have to spend more time in their investment though. Okay. So the law requires that you have to spend 750 hours managing your rental property in the year. And you have to show that you're spending at least half of your time in real estate more than any other thing which is too hard for many taxpayers to do mm. unless you're a real estate agent, a real estate broker. How do you show that? Yeah, exactly. How do you show that? You have to have a real estate professional log booklet, which is something you can download offline and log your time. What? Now, let's just say you don't have the time to show the government that you're spending more time in real estate than your, your Amazon business or your day trading or any other profession that you might have. You can run a short-term rental business as long as you're renting out a property short-term like an Airbnb for an average period of seven days or less, you can have a property that you can claim rental losses on. And I have a lot of W-2 and 1099 taxpayers who are now buying Airbnb properties and leveraging this strategy as a loophole around the passive activity loss rules that were created in 1987. So if I have an Airbnb and I... And I rent it out seven days or less? Yep. So it has to be rented out on an average period of seven days or less per customer. 
per customer and you have to rent out it more than 14 days in the year. So as long as you rent out the property for 15 days or more with an average customer in there for seven days or less, you can claim the property as a rental property. So one day is a one day is less than seven on average. Yep. Mm -hmm. But you have to have a minimum of more than 14 days, because if you have 14 days or less, technically, the government doesn't allow for you to claim the rental income. So even if your business rents out your house for 14 days, you can charge yourself rent and not claim the rental income and claim it as a tax deduction on your business. Okay. That's okay. the Augusta rule. Okay. Okay. The Augusta rule. Mm -hmm. Golly, hold on. I, yeah. I'm not ready for that one yet. <laughs> the, the passive income. Passive activity loss rules. The passive activity loss rule. Yes. So just for understanding. Yes. They're saying you have to, I can't just, I can't just, buy a house and then that mitigate my income, nope. my, 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 my taxes. Only way it will is if you're making less than $150,000 adjusted gross income. And even if you are, the government only limits you to $25,000 in losses. So if you're somebody that's making $500 million a year and you buy a million dollar property, I can't write off a million dollars on your tax return to offset your million dollars in business income. Mm -hmm. I could though, if you are leveraging a short-term rental property or if you qualified as a real estate professional, someone who spends 750 hours and half of their time in their real property trader business. Okay. Okay. And I gotta I gotta walk it because I'm slow with this, right? Yeah, we'll take it I as need slow some, as we I need to. I need some numbers to, to work off of. So let's say, for instance, I make a million dollars. Okay. And I buy a property okay. for $250,000. Okay. I didn't pay the whole 250,000. I might have put down 20%. Leverage. Is, yeah, 50,000. Okay. So, I put down 50,000. Let's say at this point my mortgage is let's just say $2,000 a month. Okay. I made a million dollars in income. Yep. I'm talking about after like all my business expenses mm -hmm. as an entrepreneur. I made I I brought in a million dollars. Yes. Which means I probably made a bunch more, whatever. I brought in a million out of this property. Yes. For 250,000. I put down fifty thousand, and I'm paying two thousand a month. Mm -hmm. How much of this property am I able to offset my having to pay? Let's say that I my taxes are fifty percent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's probably where million, they'd be if you had a million net income, brother. I know this is ridiculous. <laughs> ridiculous. It'd be high like that. So I made a million. Me, yes. I got to pay the government five hundred thousand dollars. Mm -hmm. This $250,000 property. How does it help you? How does it help me? Okay. So you can do this in one or two different ways. You can leverage the short-term rental strategy, mm -hmm. or you can leverage being a real estate professional. Let's just say you don't have time to, to spend 750 hours managing that property. And let's just say you can't show the government that you spent half of your time managing rentals than your actual day job, right? And then real quick, can I, can I hire somebody and that count as it? Nope. It cannot. Now you've delegated your your what's called your material participation in your real property. All right, let's do some quick math. The less your business spends on operations or multiple systems on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you can keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headache, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. 
with NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. It just makes sense. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit from NetSuite? I know you see it. Listen to me. If you have everything scattered in business, you cannot grow. And everything is more expensive when you have more and more processes layered on top of each other, more and more softwares. You got to get out of that. and it, it will improve efficiency and cut costs. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com slash social proof. That's NetSuite.com slash social proof. NetSuite.com slash social proof. You're good at this stuff. That's yeah. really good at this stuff. All right, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. So, yeah, I would disqualify you. And this is why the government got on to all this stuff, right? Because those W-2 employees would just have people property managing. Mm -hmm. And then they would leverage all the rental losses, right? Mm -hmm. So let's just say that you bought this property that's $250,000 and you have a million dollars net income. You're thinking maybe I'll be able to leverage that $250,000 of building on my tax returns. The question is, is you bought two different things when you bought that rental property. You bought the land and you bought the building that the property actually sits on, right? Mm -hmm. Both of them have value. Only one of them the government allows for me to write off. Okay. So let's just say of that 250,000, 50,000 was dedicated to the land. The other 200,000 is dedicated to the building. Mm -hmm. I can write off the 200,000 because this can be depreciated. The government recognizes the building going up and down in value. The reason why is because when you purchase the building and you decided to put it into business purpose by renting it out, it's sitting outside in the rain, the sleet, the snow, right? So the building structure can go down in value, just like your car mm -hmm. goes down in value and the government gives you a write-off for it. So this 200,000, I can take this write-off over the course of time, or I can choose to write this all off in one year with a cost segregation study, which is called, uh, which is accelerated depreciation, plus leveraging what's called bonus depreciation, which you see a lot of people writing off G-Wagons and vehicles that weigh over 6,000 pounds. I'm essentially choosing to write off your entire building in one year. The government will allow me to do so only on what's called personal property. So everything that makes up your property except the structure. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I'll be able to accelerate that. So maybe I get 180,000. Oh, I'm sorry. Say it again. Say it again. I'm sorry. So everything except the building structure. So when a house is being built, mm -hmm. you see the wood and everything. That's the structure. But inside the house, you have the flooring, the lights, the nuts, mm -hmm. the bolts, the screws, the right. HVAC, the driveway, the, um, the roof. I can write off all of those components. And let's just say that is $180,000 of components, personal property. I can take that on your tax return to offset your $1 million. Now you're thinking, okay, Carlton was only able to offset $180,000. What if I would have bought three or four more properties and he did the exact same strategy? Mm. And so I have clients, literally have clients who come to me, Carlton, I'm set to make 1.2. I'm set to make 1.4. And I'm asking them, how much time do we have to be able to buy real estate? And they let me know. And then we go shopping. Because the goal is for me to create enough depreciation on the tax returns, accelerate that to offset whatever their income is. So if you're somebody that's working a W-2 job and Apple decided to give you a bunch of stock options and you're going from a year in which you made 400000 to now a million dollars, 
you might want to protect that million dollars now instead of having all that go to Uncle Sam. That's about half a million dollars going to Uncle mm -hmm. Sam. So rather than just putting money to charity and giving money away, you decide to buy an asset. You're now becoming a partner with the government when you decide to rent it back out. You created a business and the government gives you depreciation. You call me, Carlton, what do I do with the rental? I tell you, we can leverage the short-term rental strategy or we can become real estate professionals. Mm -hmm. And we do the exact same strategy. I create these losses on your tax return from something you bought that's already paying you to offset your working income. That's and, hell. And then you can become tax-free. So in that scenario, because like everything I put into it came up to $180,000. Yeah. I can take $180,000 off the $500,000. Off the, yep. That I owe, so I have to pay them. I can take that off of that amount. Off of your uh, taxable income. So if your taxable income is $1 million and your taxes are half a million, that's a deduction from your taxable income, not a tax credit. Got it, mm -hmm. got it. So your, your goal maybe essentially is to show that the person actually received the lowest amount of po money possible, even though... The rest of the money went into investments, real estate, and all kind of stuff like that. That is correct. My goal is to show on paper that you're making nothing. Yes. Even though you're, you're cash flow positive on the rental side, even though you're cash flow positive in your business, I want the government to know you're making absolutely nothing. But does that, then that give us an issue if we're trying to go buy stuff? That is a really great question. I so the questions. The, the, you do. The beautiful part about, <laughs> the beautiful part about rental real estate um, is that depreciation is a soft add back to income to qualify you for a loan. Oh, so oh, let me repeat that. Yes. So depreciation is a soft add back to income to qualify you for a loan. So let me give you an example. If I just did accelerated depreciation over the last two years on my tax returns to completely avoid taxes, leveraging all this stuff that Carlton's talking about, right? Well, now I'm in a position where maybe I want to go buy another property. So I'm going to have to show my tax returns where I had all these losses on the return. And maybe my lender is not going to want to give me a loan, except the losses were generated from my rental real estate business. And they're generated from depreciation. Depreciation isn't something that I had to pay for. It was already given to mm -hmm. me when I bought the property. I just yep. chose to accelerate. Sure. So they have to add depreciation back to income to qualify me for a loan. But you don't have to pay taxes on that income that they added. And that's why it's, it's, called, it's, it's, it's called a phantom expense. That's why depreciation is called a phantom expense. Oh my goodness. The fact that you just connected the dot on that is absolutely crazy. This is all. Yeah. That is it. It's called a phantom expense. When I learned that term, I'm like, is this real? I was like, I kept like, yeah. It's a right. phantom it me, expense. It's going to be 40 questions because, to get listen, it, but I got it. You put the down payment on the property. Yes. You were writing off the whole building. OPM, yes. leverage. I got an issue. So my situation. Okay. I bought a building and I did a creative financing owner, owner financing deal, right? Yeah. So I buy this building, 500000 I put down... Fifty thousand. It was four ninety five. I put out fifty thousand. I owe four forty five. Yeah. And it's interest only for five years. Oh, okay. I bought it October two thousand twenty. Okay. But it was literally literally a shell of a building. So all of twenty twenty one and a part of twenty twenty two is me doing floors, walls, rehab, all that stuff. Yeah. And they're telling me I can't write it off because right. no one occupied it just right. yet. That's correct. But this year when I opened for business. Yep. Can I write all that stuff off now? Yes, you can. The 50000 I put down yeah. and all the money I put into it. Yes. I can write off all of that. Yes, you can. 
The, the reason why is because the items that you spent money on go into what's called the cost basis mm -hmm. of your property. So let's just say I bought a $200,000 property. I put 50K into the property and um, now the property is worth $400,000. I just want to say that, right? The date that my property is being rented out is the amount that I can claim for depreciation. So if my, say that, say that so the date that I start renting out my property mm -hmm. is the date that my property is considered in rental use and the date I can start claiming depreciation. On everything you did previously. On everything you did previously. So now you can start taking the depreciation over the course of time. The thing is though, you have to understand is anytime you're making improvements to the property, improvements are not written off in one year. Those are considered capital expenses. Just repairs are. So if you're just like repainting the property, you can write that off in one year because most uh, landlords will repaint the property every single year when they have new tenants come in. But if you're making repairs, putting in new flooring, lighting, these items are going to last longer than one year. So the government says, why should I allow him to write this off in one year? So you're supposed to capitalize the expenses and write it off over the course of time based on what it is. If it's uh, furniture or if it's um, appliances, those are written off over the course of five years and seven years. Same with cabinets. If it's a roof, it's written off over the course of uh, 15 years, driveway, 15 years, the pool, 15 years, HVAC, 10 years, electrical, 15 years. So depending on what you're putting into the property determines how you get to recoup that money over time. You might say, I don't want to wait 10, 15 years. That's when you call a tax strategist, because then I'll tell you, let's leverage bonus depreciation on all this. I know you spent your money on it. I want you to get it all back in a write-off. I'll write it off in one year for you. Bonus depreciation. Mm, okay. Okay. So it literally in the building, there was nothing. So every wall, every HVAC unit, we had to run electro, electrical, all that. Yeah. You'll just get me all in with that. All of that will be on your tax return written off in the first year, which means you'll have a loss, right? Because let's just say you earn. $30,000 in a year from renting out the property, but then you put in $60,000, $70,000 in renovations plus the depreciation of the other entire building. Now we have a $100,000 loss. Are you going to be able to claim all that against your other forms of income? Depends. Mm. Depends, right? Are you making over $150,000 AGI? Because if you are, you don't get to take any of your losses unless you're a real estate professional or you're leveraging a short-term rental mm. that you're renting out for an average period of seven days or less. Got you. I have, let's say I, I buy a building, yeah. but I, right now I have a, um, I have an Airbnb. Okay. Where I'm doing, I guess it's called rental arbitrage. Yes. Where I just, I got an apartment. Hold on, I'll see this. I got an apartment. <laughs> I got an apartment and we rented out for Airbnb. Yeah. But the fact that I have one, will that allow me to go just buy other property and sit on those and I'm cool because I have one Airbnb? So when it comes to the Airbnb you have, that's called rental arbitrage Airbnb. So you're not on title for the property, which means we don't get to claim depreciation. We just claim rental expenses. So whatever you've done to furnish the place, any expenses you have operating that business, such as cleaning it, maintenance, et cetera, you can write that off. And it's just going to be a Schedule C business. You're going to record the income, your expenses, and whatever's left over you pay taxes on. A rental property is where you have ownership of the property, which means you're either on title or you're on the loan and on title. And if you are, that's that means we can claim depreciation. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, okay. I buy a house and I use it for Airbnb. I rent it out for 14, less than, is it less than 14 or more? So more than 14 days on an average period of seven days or less. More than 14 days on an average period of... Okay, yes. 
So for the whole year, as long as it's at, like the average person stays less than seven days. Correct. I can rent it out for 300 days a year and I can use that as a tax write-off. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Let's say I have one building and I do that. Yes. Okay. And we rent it out a bunch of days throughout the year. Average person is less than seven days. But then I get three other properties. Yes. The fact that I have the one that I'm doing that with, uh-huh. will that allow me to kind of do whatever I want with the other properties? Or each property has to abide by these rules? You can group those properties together into one passive activity, if mm-hmm. you'd like to, by making a grouping election. But essentially, the government states that in order for you to use your passive losses for short-term real estate, you just need to materially participate for 100 hours in the year and more than any other person. If you can show 100 hours and more than any other person in your passive activities, then yeah, you can group all those properties together and be able to do accelerated depreciation on all of them. How the heck you show somebody that you've been there 100 hours? Um, you so go there, you, if you I were to audit, stuff? if I were to audit you, I would want to, sh- I would want to see that you materially participated. So you would have to show me bank statements, receipts, and then I might ask for you to show me a time log because it's a requirement in the IRS audit technique guide to have a time log for material participation. Who the heck in this year does a time log? 95% of real estate investors don't keep a time log. Right. And so I protect a lot of these real estate investors by coaching them on how to keep these time logs, because when the audit comes and it does come when you're making a lot of money, we want to make sure that we don't even have to blink an eye. Here's all of our information. Good luck trying to find something. See Mm. what I'm saying? We always want to take that approach. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Woo. Okay. We did a deep dive into some of the most advanced stuff of real estate. That is as advanced that the tax law goes with real estate is advanced depreciation. What got you into this? You you understand it, which means that's hopefully we're explaining it very yeah, well. Yeah, you start giving out a whole bunch of money, like Mark want a chain. I'm like, I can't get you a chain, bro. Like I gotta pay taxes. It's crazy. Yo, so uh, <laughs> he asked me for a chain every day, bro. It's crazy. Oh no. Uh, right. <laughs> it's a depreciating asset. Oh <laughs> uh, yes. So um how did you like really get into this, man? Okay. So how my whole career started was I left out of college without um, going to the NFL. That whole story didn't happen for me. So I had to figure out the whole job. job I moved down to Hollywood, got a career in sales, was working for this company called Gala Wine Company, selling like wine and liquor into grocery stores. It was not my vibe for a while. Mm. And so I was doing personal training on the side, decided that I wanted to join my mother's firm to open up more time to do personal training. When I joined her firm, she required me to start a sales team. What was her firm? Um, it's ta- uh, Carla Denson Associates, tax and accounting company. Oh, so your mom been in the She's game. been in the game for over 30 She's years. She's the GOAT? Bro. She's the GOAT. Yeah. She She's really is so the she GOAT. So she coached you? She, te- she taught you? Oh, yeah. She taught me the game. Oh, wow. For sure. She's been leveraging these real estate strategies for years. And um, when I joined her company, I realized that I had to build out a sales team, but I've been spending my time trying to grow my fitness brand. When I finally sat in the office to like listen to how she talks to people, I realized Man, I'm over here creating workout programs, trying to sell these for $20, $30 a pop. She's charging $10,000, $15,000 a tax plan in a 30-minute session. Mm, and I'm like, it depends on what we can do. Yeah, we'll figure that out. Yeah. Um, but when I, when I was hearing all this, I was like, wow, I'm over here working and slaving, and she's making three months worth of income in 30 minutes over here. And so I was like, I got to figure this out. I have to sit down and understand how to sell tax planning. So I just 
copied and mimicked everything that she said. And I was able to start closing some deals, work with some, you know, five and six figure entrepreneurs. But then when I started getting into those seven figure entrepreneurs, they wanted to see more of the strategies I had to offer. And I had no tax license, no tax information, no tax background. I was a salesperson. Mm. So that forced me to go get my tax license. When I Googled and researched what licenses were out there, there's a CPA license, which looked cool and everything like that. I had to go back to school to do that. And then there was the enrolled agent, agent license, which means that you're the highest tax professional of the IRS allows and you're able to advise people in all 50 states represent people in the courts and i would also be able to label, label myself as a tax strategist mm. helping people reduce their tax bill so i said yep that's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna go study for that got my license came out confident as all get out next thing you know i'm selling tax plans like crazy we have a new problem making more money. Mm -hmm. And so I started building out my sales team, hiring more people. And then I got on YouTube and started scaling the brand in that sense. But the main reason why I went down the real estate route was because my mother used to go to this uh, event called the Apartment Owners Association. She had spoken at this event since 2008. So I'd been seeing her give these presentations since I was like 14, 15 years old. Mm -hmm. And all of these people who showed up to these apartment owners events were sitting on millions and millions of real estate, but you would have never noticed by the way that they dress. I'm talking mm. about flip-flops, sandals, uh, everything that you see at Costco that you can buy, that's what. It's so important that black voices are represented in black media for so many different reasons. And the next generation of black uh, voices and influencers from black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collections, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. And every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Smyrta to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black Stories, Black Truths. I listen and I'm enjoying these conversations that are for us, by us. Black representation, again, it hasn't always been uh, shared from our perspective. And black perspectives haven't been censored in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center black voices. It's NPR. Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen to the Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR, wherever you get podcasts. They were wearing, okay? So, like, and, but they were dripped in money on the tax return. Mm. And that just appealed to me. They had so much time. They never worked. When they came into our office, you know, they sometimes didn't even know what day of the week it was. They were just wanting to hang out and chill. And I'm like, okay, who has this much time? And it's the real estate investors who have this much time because they figured out the game. Who is this tax-free all the time? It's the real estate investors. Why? Because they become partners with the government on a different level than the entrepreneur, right? Mm. You see, the entrepreneur is trying to serve people, but you're really serving yourself. 
If you can turn around and start a real estate business where you're running a rental operation, there's only so much land and you're going into the biggest system that the government's created, which is the loan system. So if you can leverage OPM and then turn around and rent that property out, you become a partner with the government because they know you're not looking to pay them back immediately. Mm. They know you're looking to be in this game with them and earn interest with them. Here's depreciation. So why? Okay. I, I, I need you to explain the, the government's incentive mm -hmm. for allowing this system to go yeah. on like this okay. so that I can legally write this off. <clears throat> yeah. So the government, long time ago, guys, the the banks got together and they needed to create a product, okay? They were sitting on a lot, a lot of money. So they needed to create a product. The product that they decided to create was the loan system. They wanted to create a way for people to pay them back, loan out money and have people pay them out back over long periods of time, but they needed to attach the money to something, a physical asset that they can go and touch and something that would give people a sense of satisfaction. So they attached it to a property. So and, banks have a bunch of money and they want to attach their money to physical properties. Mm -hmm. So they created the 30-year and the 15-year loan. And then they told U.S. taxpayers, hey, the American dream is to save up, go to school, get a job, and buy a house, mm. right? So that became a part of the government system, right? Where we were focused on trying to save up, get a high-paying job, and get a really nice house. But the government was really winning because the government works with these big banks, right? Yeah. So these big banks are able to lend out loans. So all of these loan programs started to come out. The FHA, you're putting three and a half percent down. You see how much leverage you're taking. So you become more reliant on the bank and the bank is reliant on the government that prints the money to mm. the bank. Do you see what I'm saying? So we've started playing into the system. One thing that we can do is we can turn around and join in on the game and turn around and become real estate investors. Because just buying a house, you only get to write off property taxes and mortgage interest. And Donald Trump came in and swooped in and cut all that in half. If you go and become a real estate investor, you get to write off property taxes, mortgage interest. If you wanna manage your own property, you can set up your own management company, hire your children, write off your vehicles, your car, set up a retirement account, and you get depreciation. Hey. And that is the biggest flex because that's generational wealth. If you set up a trust, now you can pass off these properties to your next heirs, and they get up step up in basis, which means they have no debt on the deal, and they can turn around and rent out the properties or sell it with no capital gains tax, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, being able to have access to those programs like the FHA program, which our skin color didn't have access to, is part of the reason why wealth was created in certain societies. Gotcha. <laughs> Does so, that make sense? Yeah, 100%, okay. absolutely. The trust, the, the trust thing, though, seems like a play, right? Yeah. And it doesn't seem like the government would like that. That people are like not paying taxes in trust. There has they got to be looking at this stuff. Explain not too many, not to too me. many people understand it, and not too many people are going to venture into it, and not too many people are going to teach it. And the wealthy have access to information, and they realize that it 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 costs money to get access, and so the poor and middle class do not have access to this level of information. The poor middle class are just told, set up a trust. The poor middle class are just told, set up an LLC. They're not understanding the intricacies of how deep trust can go. There are 80, over 80 different types of trusts that you can set up, right? Mm -hmm. We're not being told the intricacies of how all of these different entities can play, play with one another and be able to utilize them to not only do wealth building, but tax avoidance strategies. Mm. And so 
Um, it's just access. That's all it is, access to information. Do you have any clients that got audited? We had only one client get audited out of 2,300 clients last year. You had 2,300 clients? Yeah, 2,300. You rich for real. <laughs> we, have a, we have a big influx uh, of clients that came in during coronavirus and everything like that because a lot of CPAs and tax professionals who were normally advertising their services started shutting down and not being able to assist all their small base business owners who needed their help during that time period who were trying to figure out the whole PPP loan and the EIDL loan. And we were marketing to help everybody. Like, let's help figure you figure this out for you. Let's help you get the loans. Like, we wanted to be there for our business owners, real estate investors. They're the ones who have helped us build our brand. So we turned around and figured out what hats we needed to wear for them. And so that really increased our marketing efforts. We had a big influx of business, and now we're serving quite a quite a net. Bro, how many how many uh, employees you have? Over forty. Really? Yeah. How old are you? I'm twenty eight. You're 28? Yeah. With more employees than your age, bro? Golly. Well, it's, a, it's a family owned business, man. My mom started this thing. Me and my brother Kenny joined the company and he brought the marketing skills. I brought the sales skills. So it was inevitable that we were going to grow, right? I think the biggest issue that we ran into was finding the right type of tax professionals. As you see, I'm a tax strategist that can communicate with you right now. Yeah. Entrepreneurs want to be on the phone with someone they can communicate, not someone that's going to throw a bunch of laws at them and give them all this homework. And now they feel discouraged on what they were even signing up to pay for, yeah. right? When people uh, come to work with us, they want to really step into like a fifth grade classroom and understand everything and feel awesome mm -hmm. and then walk out of there with an A+. Plus. And that's exactly what we do. Goodness gracious. EIDL, you got to play for that? Because I got one. You went and got a loan? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> was my, I was like, yo, I want all the money, okay? Yeah, it, it, it was important for people to take advantage of that because really it was... I mean, almost free money. So I like need it, but it's just important it. programs. Is there a play? No, just make just sure that you back. do the forgiveness <laughs> part right. There's no real plays. Yeah, yeah, isn't forgive. Uh, the PPP loan you get forgiveness. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, you you pay that back yeah, over the course back. of time. Yeah, I think that's the thirty year. I don't know if you had. Yeah, <laughs> uh, play runnage on that one. Um, I was gonna ask also. Um, crap, 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 crap. What was it? All right, so. Let's say, for instance, this is just a hypothetical situation. I get asked a lot of hypothetical situations, <laughs> and it's totally fine. All right, yeah, this, the people might not understand it, but let's say for, are you involved in any hedge funds? Mm, I work with some, yeah. Okay. So let's say there's like a hedge fund, mm -hmm. and people make money off the hedge fund, but you don't get reports from the hedge fund. Yeah. Let's say. When you get money from this mm -hmm. hedge fund, how do you tax it? Because my guy was saying, not that I have one, but he was saying that the, my friend is going to have to pay 50% of the money that they get. Like if if some, if they're, I don't know, let's just say, for instance, you just get money from somewhere. Yeah. Right? You want to pay taxes on it. You want to report it. How do I mitigate that? Yeah. So it's either interest income or investment income. So I'm paying capital gains taxes, either short term or long term capital gains taxes. And then if I know how much money is coming up, coming to me on the form K1, which is the form that you receive once the fund files its tax returns, then I got to figure out, OK, what am I going to do to offset the losses? Because I'm passive in this uh, hedge fund. I have no involvement in it, which means I get no write offs, which means I need something else causing a loss mm -hmm. on the tax return to be able to offset this taxable income, gotcha. which is why I'm always harping on real estate because 
most people don't like to pay for tax deductions. They don't like to hear, oh, go buy a G-Wagon, go buy, go spend more uh, money on laptops and computers and cell phones. People are like, dude, I don't want to keep that money in my pocket. Well, mm. we can actually increase the amount of money in your pocket if we buy a rental property. That's true. And at the same time, get the losses. Yes, it's too. I want to pay off. So, okay, remember I told you my situation. I have an interest-only loan. Loan, yeah. yes. Now, I'm going to, ideally, you know, I'd refinance. But until I do all that, because I'm, like, getting, like, we're, like, doing all my taxes, and it's, like, restructuring, and, like, I got a million different LLCs now, and mm -hmm. they just put together, I got a really smart team of people. All right. They put together a bunch of, a bunch of stuff, like, by, one of the companies is set up just for payroll. To oh, pay good. People. Then okay. we have another company that holds all the assets and all kind of stuff, right? Yep. So you've done some entity layering. We're doing. Come on, man. You Ent tell me. Entity layering. Entity. Yeah, okay. I mean, you you there man. now. Yeah, I just. You must I just have say a tax strategist. Yes, kind of. <laughs> Not because they, they're paying. I'm paying too much. <laughs> okay. I'm paying way too much. Okay. I th based on what you're telling me. Yeah. It's so I just send them do. a, I send them a check for a bunch of money for this, for the first quarter. And I'm thinking. That just happened. Oh, wow. I ain't like it, bro. Yeah. My customers aren't sending checks at all, actually. <laughs> this is exciting. Okay. I love this show. All right. You just, you just like sold me on like you being my strategist. It's That's crazy. crazy. You didn't works. even ask me to buy anything. It's funny how that works. <laughs> <laughs> I rocks with you. All right. So I have this, this building. It's interest only right now. In my mind, what makes sense is I just pay it off. Like, let me just pay off the interest only because then I'll have to pay this $2,800 that I'm paying every single month. Mm -hmm. That's not even going towards the principal. Until I, until I kind of refinance. So this is what I was going to do. I was going to just pay it off until I get to a point where... I need to refinance it with the bank or because I got to get I got to get my tax stuff together first. Mm -hmm. But I'm still paying this $2,800 every month. Okay. Do you not advise me to pay off the building? So this is coming down to a couple of different things. One, assessing risk tolerance. Two, looking at how much you're actually receiving in a deduction, because if it's interest only, that's a tax deduction for you. And three, time value of money, right? Could I have you spend more money on building a real estate portfolio as opposed to paying down these loans? knowing mm. that the loans aren't really hurting us that much. Maybe I can leverage the additional money that you have to focus on building a real estate portfolio that's going to generate tax losses, and we're not even worried about the loan anymore. So, so the, I get it. So the money that I'm paying, the interest only, every single dollar of that is written off. Mm -hmm. that has, if you're using the loan for your business, or for investment purposes, you can deduct the interest associated with the loan. But again, I've been paying that since October 2022, 2020. Mm -hmm. So I've been paying it for a little while. But I don't, I feel like I could do something better with that money. But you're saying, you're saying instead of paying a big chunk of money, it doesn't really make sense when I can use that money that I would put down on that loan to buy other real estate. And the, that other real estate will have a bigger impact overall from a cash flow standpoint mm -hmm. on the, on what you're receiving month to month. So that's something that we have to run the numbers from, right? Cause I hate shooting from the hip with like a, like a shotgun, right? I'm like a sniper tax strategist. And when people ask questions that pertain to things like that, I would want to run the numbers because I can run probably three different strategies on what you just said. 
And then we can make a decision based on how it impacts your liability. Give me like two of those strategies that you're thinking of. Well, I'm just talking about the numbers. If I were to have you reinvest into a property and do a cost segregation study, like how much losses would I have on the tax return based if you were to continue to just have everything the way it is right now? And then if you were to just pay everything off and then not have that deduction. So that's three different scenarios right there. Pay everything off. Okay, what does it look like? Him losing out on the tax deduction, him not paying it off and keeping the tax deduction, and then him choosing to have allocated his money into an investment property and accelerating depreciation. So now we're looking at three different scenarios. Mm. You're around a lot of wealthy people, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. Majority of the people that I, I work with are um, really, really cool and have figured out a lot of different things in their space. I work with celebrities, boxers, NFL players, uh, you name it. Even people who are on like Netflix TV shows I like. Um, they all have the same issue. They're all not educated on taxes. They're not going to go back to school to get educated on taxes. Their CPA has not put positioned themselves to be their tax strategist, and they realize that there's other entrepreneurs that are paying less taxes than than them, and they want to do something about it. Uh, outside of taxes, yeah, what do you notice about these people that you work with? I notice that these people are high energy. They're high energy. Um, they kind of match my personality, um, and I think that's important. Right, mm -hmm. is, is finding someone that's kind of similar, synonymous to you. They're very focused on trying to get to that next place, trying to get to that next step in life. And um, they understand that it's important to partner with people. That it's important to leverage team. What's up, podcaster or soon-to-be podcaster? Get ready to level up your podcast game because the number one podcast education summit of the year is back, and it's bigger and better than ever. I'm talking about the second annual podcast summit happening on July 4th and 5th in the content creation capital of the world. You already know, ATL, baby. Atlanta, Georgia, going down July 4th and 5th, two full days. Imagine this. Imagine you getting all the game you need to take your voice, your brand, your your business to the next level. Imagine getting all the insider tips. Imagine getting all the know-how that you've been craving for the last two, three, four years where you're talking about you're going to start a podcast, but you haven't yet because you don't have the tools, you don't have the tips, you don't have the tricks. I don't care if you're just starting or you're a seasoned pro. This summit has something for everyone. Picture you mastering the basics of setting up your podcast or unlocking the secrets to grow your brand on social media. We're not just talking about podcasting here. I'm talking about you want to build a long form catalog, whether it's skits, movies. We got people talking about script writing. This is an incredible experience. Imagine, imagine discovering the art of securing these lucrative sponsorship deals. And that's not all. Learn the ropes of creating a pitch deck that has sponsors knocking down your door. But wait, 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 wait. There's more. This isn't just a summit. This is an experience. I'm telling you. Rub shoulders with industry leaders. And you got to network with the other people that are doing what you're doing. All the guests that have ever been on Social Proof Podcast, I'm giving them a free ticket. And in exchange, they promise me that they're going to sit down and do short interviews with you. We got podcast booths for our VIP members where you can sit down, pull somebody to a side, and you're going to create content in real time. I know what you're thinking. How do I get a part of this podcasting paradise? Well, it's simple. All you have to do is head over to podcastsummit.com, grab your tickets now, but hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, because I have something really, really special for you. I got a little treat for my early birds, people who take action. The next 20 listeners and only 20 listeners who get your tickets right now, okay? I'm not only going to give you 20% off of whatever ticket level you get, you get 20% off, but if you use the promo code BIGDEAL, 
It'll take 20% off immediately, but I'm also going to allow the first 20 people to listen to this right now to be able to bring a friend, bring a teammate, bring a partner for absolutely free. You get general admission, they get general admission. You get VIP, they get VIP. Whatever ticket level you purchase, you get to bring a friend, partner, colleague, boo thing for absolutely free. Nothing extra required. My team's going to reach out to you, get your partner's name, or if you don't have the person you no, right now, yet, you got time, no pressure, you get us back. But use that code big deal. That triggers to let us know you get to bring someone for free. So don't wait. So secure your spot at the number one podcast education summit in the country. Join us July 4th and 5th in Atlanta. Let's turn your podcast dreams into a reality, y'all. Head over to podcastsummit.com. Use promo code big deal at checkout and get your tickets now don't miss out on the opportunity to take your podcast to new heights take your brand to new heights take your business to new heights with this unprecedented offer okay i'll see you at the summit and don't forget to use promo code big deal um they're very humble they they admit it on the phone some of these entrepreneurs that are making millions admit it like i've never had a tax strategy i don't understand anything they're very transparent about that they're willing, mm. they're willing to get vulnerable. Broke people. No, I got to figure it out. I'm straight. What you mean? Yeah. I got bread, bro. Mm-hmm. And those are typically the cockiest ones are the entrepreneurs that are only making like, I'm sorry, I just have to say it, that are doing like anywhere between 40 to, you know, 120. They get on the phone with me. What can you offer? Da, da, da. And that's why I'm not, never on the phone with those people anymore. What do you mean? Explain that. Like, it's, it's, it's interesting when you get on the phone with entrepreneurs that are that have found their first little bit of cash flow mm-hmm. and they feel like they have a lot of things figured out, even to the point where they're on the phone with a tax strategist acting like they've already figured things out. Oh, yeah, that's why I set this up. Oh, yeah. And that's why I'm doing this. And it's like, OK, well, you came into my doctor's office. You understand that I have all the medication. So <laughs> so are you are you here to tell me how to do? And And I don't feel that sense of of disrespect whatsoever um because I'm, I'm i'm there to serve every single person that comes across me but i do want there to be a sense of understanding that when you are on the phone with the tax strategist our one goal is to figure out what you're not doing so we're going to be the ones kind of majority asking all the questions yeah. just like when you go into a doctor's office what's your height what's your weight when's the last time you uh um stepped on the scale okay do you smoke no okay um do your family history have heart disease right mm. they're asking all the questions because they're in control and, and that's why you're there for to get some help. You study a lot. Uh, I do spend a lot of time studying. Yes. Every single week I study the tax code. Every week. Every single week. Code, yep. Code. Every single week for four and a half hours a week. What does that schedule look like? Mm, mainly it's a listening to a lot of different podcasts. So I have some CPA podcasts. You listen, that I listen to my podcast? I do listen to your podcast. David, your podcast is awesome, man. I Thank appreciate you. it. It's not taxes, but. Hey, it it's a pleasure to be here with you. I'm I like the way you rock this whole thing too. Oh, no, I'm excited, bro. I'm, I, I'm walking into your doctor's office right now. Like, my leg is broken. <laughs> my whole leg is about to and fall we, And off, we'll talk bro. about when people walk into the doctor's office. Because some people walk into my doctor's office in December, and they're getting, like, helicoptered mm-hmm. in on a stretcher. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'm just hitting them with the shocker. And I'm, like, trying to bring them back to life. Yeah, that's right? where I was at last year, bro. And some people come oh in, gosh. like, right now, David, where it's, like, they get to hit, like, you know, my waiting room where there's the air conditioner. Mm-hmm. And, like, my nurse is out there yeah. with the lollipop at the front desk. Like, that's how I want people to come in. Like, there's a waiting room. Like, we going to bring you back. You know what I'm saying? But when you come in, come into my office in the months of October, November, December, you're bleeding and I'm trying to hemorrhage the wound. 
Like oh, I'm trying sure. to figure it out. It is a New Year's party. Like right? I gotta hurry up, yo, yeah. bro. I, I, <laughs> I got shot twelve times. I need you to fix this. We gotta go to this party real quick. And bro. I'm capable of fixing it. I just would appreciate <laughs> you coming earlier because there's been some times when I've had people have to do stuff on Christmas. I've had have literally had people like figure things out on Christmas, the day after Christmas, the day before New Year's, being in the bank, moving money over because I need them to move a certain amount of money over into an off year corporation I set up for them. So I do a lot of tax deferral strategies. So. If I work with you, would I work with you or like somebody you've trained? So I only privately work with about 25 clients a year, Ooh. which David, I would definitely be honored to have you as one of those 25. And then my team handles the rest though, the other 2,300. But the <laughs> fact that you got 2,300 people, your firm is doing something right. Yeah, absolutely. And the biggest thing that we are doing right is uh, making sure that we're operating in integrity. Um, I think that's the one thing that we always do is we make sure the clients understand exactly what we are capable of doing, what we're not capable of doing, where the law meets their desires. <laughs> mm, yeah. Golly, you're good at this stuff. All right. So uh, what have you learned from these wealthy people? You personally, like, what is your biggest takeaway from wealthy people, high achievers? Because I know I, one, I just took away a lot. You said um, a lot of them have high energy. Yep. Um, they're maybe confident enough to say, I don't have it all figured out. Yep. And being able to walk in that. But you personally, what have you taken away from like all these wealthy people? Yeah. The biggest things that I've taken away from the wealthy people that I've surrounded myself with is easily number one, they're not afraid to take risks. Like mm. they almost like run towards it because they just believe so heartily in themselves. Like there's just no way I'm not doing this. They burn the ships. And I don't know if you've ever heard that terminology, like you jump in the ships and you burn whatever dock you're at. That's pretty much that whole mindset that they have. Um, I would say, honestly, they're, they get vulnerable. They get vulnerable when they're on the phone with someone that they know that they can learn from. They're willing to immediately show me that side of them and say, hey, I'm ready to just put my listening ears on and learn from you, Carlton. And that, that really makes me feel really good because as much as they're calling me to figure out their tax strategies, like I would love to sit down in a room with them on another conversation to figure out how did you make this 20 million? I know you're for calling sure. me to save the 20 million. <laughs> I also want to know how you made the 20 million, right? And so there's a time and place for those conversations, but um, they respect my time. And I really appreciate that. Um, delegation. Oh my goodness. That's part of the reason why I've been able to accelerate my success is because of the people I have around me. Successful people know that they cannot wear every single hat. Mm -hmm. They're going to find the right people. And I read this book, um, Who Not How. Mm -hmm. And prior to reading this book by Ben Horowitz, I was trying to figure out how I was going to accomplish all these different things. Um, how I was going to uh, write the book, how I was going to do the podcast, how I was going to launch the YouTube channel, how I was going to run the course, all these different things that I want to do. And I stopped and read this book and I realized I need to figure out who I'm going to place into these positions to help me with all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I had that realization was when I got on a fast track to growing and scaling and something that I've noticed about my other entrepreneurs is they have a lot of who's, a lot of people around them that have helped elevate them to get them to where they are. You going to write a book one day? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to write you a book. You have a book already? Working on it, working on it. It's in the works. I'd buy it. It'll be a game changer for the tax industry and it'll be broken down in a simple format. It'd be easy as turning on a faucet of water to understand the game of the tax code. Yeah. Um, and I'll, I'll explain it. Bro, you cold at this stuff, man. Listen, uh, I got to do, do, do a quick um, uh, a commercial. Yeah. All right. First of all, what can I write off from this podcast? What can't you write off from Every this time. podcast? Right? Everything that's, Mark, ev everything that's in Mark the brain. Mark is like, not only just, not only would I pay him, but like the mental 
anguish. You know what I mean? I'm just saying, I love you, Mark. Mark's on payroll, so we're going to take that deduction. Yeah, we're going to take sure. that deduction. <laughs> I don't know if we'll be able to get Mark the chain because the government limits us on only $25 for gifts. So, mm-hmm. Get, him like get you a, a gift card, bro. Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Go crazy. Go crazy. You can go crazy with $25 in Chick-fil-A. <laughs> <laughs> so the, you said they only, for gifts, $25? That's deductible. Yeah. Really? You know, well, I mean, uniform. That gift is kind of uniform. He tried, He gets drippy. <laughs> you know, I can't. It's not. Yeah. Bonuses, of course. Bonuses are tax deductible because it's wages, so the business owner would have to pay you the bonus. Do you give bonuses to people who do their job or people who do more than their job, like more than they're paid for, like really go above and beyond? <laughs> like do bonus stuff? <laughs> I think... You don't uh, have to answer me, bro. Sorry, <laughs> I'm actually... I'm talking to Mark. You know, he, like, dude, he's my guy. I think, I think um, bonuses are, are for going above and beyond, mm. right? So if you're somebody that's looking to to receive a bonus and you're you're excelling in a major yeah, way, for so sure. yeah, you guys get a bonus. Mark's excelling. I yeah, think. yeah, he's doing a great job. Yeah. Uh, let me do this commercial real quick, <laughs> and then uh, we'll close this thing out, man. This episode is sponsored by the Morning Meetup, themorningmeetup.com, the only organization that gathers every single day to help entrepreneurs grow. I'll tell you about it real quick. The the Morning Meetup. It's a group of hundreds and hundreds of entrepreneurs. We got almost about, we got about a thousand people in the program. Okay. But actually show up like hundreds of entrepreneurs and every month we have a theme and every day of the week, we have a topic that supports the theme. We're only on a call for an hour. Okay. Uh, we have a book club conversation uh, hosted by Bryn. She's here, Bryn Dresher. All right. So we have, we'll always be reading a book and then she'll facilitate, okay, this is what we're going to read tonight. Tonight we read the next day. Yeah. We discuss what we read. And we only read like a few pages together just so we can keep pace. Yeah. And literally chapter by chapter, we read what, 14 books last year? 14, 14 books last year. Wow. We'll probably read like 17 to 20 this year. Yeah. Hundreds of people reading together. But outside of that, we have, I teach entrepreneurship every single morning or we'll have a special guest. I would love to have you on. I'd be honored. Absolutely. They would love you. Right, Bryn? Yeah, they are. Oh, they love you. Bro. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, maybe like 35-minute message, 40 minutes. Okay. Teach them what they need to know. Yeah. I try to make taxes as sexy as possible. You made it sexy. I hope so. This conversation? Because we went advanced. And so I hope I didn't lose anybody because we went all the way to like the edge of the cliff of Man, the tax code. We went there. I think we doubled your clientele. So you 2300 I think after this drop, we going straight to 6000 It's going to be crazy. This is awesome. But um, yes, so I just joined the morning meetup, okay? I don't got to sell y'all. $79 a month. Or right now, we're running a special. I don't know if you're watching it during the special, but it's 60% off. Oh, meaning wow. I will talk to people every single weekday of every year for $399. That's a steal. For the whole year. Everybody, y'all want to connect with you. Join the morning meetup. I'm on there every morning. Yeah. And I'll be on there. So, yes, go to themorningmeetup.com or download the Morning Meetup app. Download the Morning Meetup app and enroll. Be in the community. We're here. Okay, so thank you. I, I yeah. do got to ask you a question before we wrap up. Um, where do you see yourself or what do you see yourself accomplishing in the next five years? Yeah. And I asked the question for a reason. I want to be able to like watch this episode five years from now mm -hmm. and say, yo, he did that. He mm -hmm. literally, he, he said he was going to do that five years ago and he did it. Yeah. One of the biggest things that I want to do that 
I feel like is a calling of mine is to continue to disrupt the tax industry. I don't think anyone has done it. I think Robert Kiyosaki dipped his toes into it. And then he tried to bring his CPA, Tom Wheelwright, who I admire. And my mother is definitely at the helm of the tax I'm industry. I'm going to meet this lady. Can we go to lunch? Is she here? We, we got to get you set up is for, she here in LA? for at least a lunch or a dinner. She's in Orange County if you're willing to make the drive. Where's Orange County? Yeah, is that it, the Bay? It's about 40, 40 minute drive. 40 minutes? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I want to meet the no, You're close to Disney. It's close by to Disney. I want to meet the woman that created you, bro. You like, I ain't gonna lie to you. She's got, yo, because you, you are a savage, bro. She got to be just different. Though. You throw her on this podcast, it's going to be next level game changer, not only for entrepreneurs, but in women entrepreneurs. Wow. Really? I mean, things awesome. she's done. It's incredible. Yeah, we got to put that together. Yeah. Okay. So, I'm sorry. Five years, bro. Five years out. I would like to see that the tax industry has completely changed to people focusing primarily on strategic tax planning because they finally have access to information that no one has provided them. And the information that they need to be provided is just simply what to do, what to do with the tax code. Because if you understand what to do, you'll jump into real estate, you'll jump into becoming your own business owner, but no one's giving you a roadmap of why you need to do it and why the 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 government has aligned themselves to help you. Yeah. As soon as you start joining this game, you'll start to realize all the benefits to life and how you can even help other people simply by just following the law. Got it's it. crazy. Got it. Yeah. So I want to disrupt the tax game. Um, and then uh, definitely see myself being philanthropic. Um, there's a lot of things that I want to do. Um, there's a lot of world disasters that happen. And I feel like we aren't as a America, we're not the fastest to get boots on the ground. Mm -hmm. And so definitely want uh, my foundation to focus on um, uh, world disasters and being able to attend to world disasters in a timely manner. How often do you buy real estate? Focus on buying real estate every single year. Every single year. Every no year. years off. Do you like buy one piece every year or like you just so, are you always looking for are you always looking for a good deal or you're just looking for a piece to kind of run these plays? Both. Deal the deal always has to come first. I can't um, invest into something simply for tax savings. The deal has to 100% make sense. Mm. I started out in real estate syndication because I was 20. I'm 28 years old right now. So when I got into real estate, I was 20. I was 23 turning 24. I did not have a lot of money in my bank account. And I partnered with someone to get into large scale apartment complexes in Clearwater, Florida. And then since then, I was able to jump into my own deals. I had to figure out how can I jump into real estate knowing I didn't have a lot of money. So I went into syndication. For those who don't understand what syndication is, is when you're partnering with a bunch of other limited partners, we all raise capital together. And there's a general partner that negotiates the loan and buys the deal for us. When you get into a large scale apartment complex, when you get into a large scale apartment complex, the goal is for you not to have a whole lot of managerial responsibilities for you to have to check on the property. All you're expecting is just monthly cash flow. And so that served me at the time because I was focused on my sales career and getting my enrolled agents license. And then when I started to figure out this whole real estate game, I realized, well, I'm glad I at least jumped in, but now it's time for me to get my own deals. And that's when I started doubling down and getting my own deals. And now I'm focused on, on helping other students inside of my program structure and get their own deals as well so they can play this real estate game i love it but you said you you focus on the deal first yes make sure it's a good deal and then you kind of run the plays behind the strategy without a doubt without a doubt would you buy something at the top of the market um i believe in not trying to time the market that's what, what i'm saying like there's a property it's for sale for three hundred thousand. it's worth about three hundred thousand. you buy it it's a great deal. I'm going to buy it. I'm going to pull the trigger. 
That wouldn't be a great deal, though. It wouldn't be a great deal. Just you're buying it at retail. So when I look at the whole top of the market, bottom of the market, for me, it's it's like I just don't want to play the game of trying to control the market. I want to play the game of trying to control my own finances, my own destiny. And I know if if I'm after cash flow, it's going to require me to buy an asset. And if I know that I'm after tax savings, it's going to require me to buy an asset. Whether the market's high or the market's low, I know that those are two problems I'm trying to solve for my own gotcha. for so my own it's business. Worth three hundred thousand, you buy it for three hundred thousand, but it's going to cash flow what you're looking for, and that makes sense. Then you buy because obviously that property will appreciate at some point. Exactly. My goal is to always buy appreciating assets. Spring is in full bloom. Are your finances? With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, you can build credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments, all with no annual fees or interest. With Chime's Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. Um, in the right type of neighborhoods and possibly, if I can, always leverage OPM on every single deal. Hmm. Yeah. Very lit. Mm-hmm. Very lit. Yo, thank <laughs> you so much, Carlton. You are you're a magician, bro. I appreciate like a tax having... magician. You got it. And I could tell like you're well read, well studied. It's not just man, I listen, I see these coaches all the time, bro. And they be talking good, but it be it's so surface. Mm-hmm. They never really dig into the like the intricacies of the thing that even that they talk about, yeah. right? It's just they just have a good delivery of stuff. But I could tell you really, really study it and you're super passionate about it. So. Yeah. I think um personally what I didn't understand when it came to marketing was um, giving information away actually leads to people wanting to work with you. I didn't understand why other tax professionals didn't take that approach. Yeah. So when I was looking online, researching strategies that I knew we were leveraging in our office, I realized people weren't telling people about these tax strategies. Like, why aren't, why isn't there information, videos, diagrams going over how to do this? Mm-hmm. So I just started a YouTube channel. And started teaching all these tax strategies and we grew to like over 250,000 subscribers in like wow. a year. And I think mainly the reason why is simply being transparent, giving yeah. people access to information. Because at the end of the day, I know that giving them access to the, to these strategies, it's going to give them the ability to want to go and do it. But at the end of the day, most likely they're going to choose to partner with me to get it done right. Gotcha. Have yeah. you ever advised somebody to get married to save on taxes? Absolutely. We go over these conversations all the time. That. You're, you're savage. That's vicious. Yeah. Yo, you should get married because... Absolutely. The, the divorce might be more expensive, though. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. and we, we have to ask both short-term and long-term questions, right? I mean, if you're... If you have a partner, there's a reason why <clears throat> maybe you've chosen not to get married or you're choosing to wait to get married, so we're right. going to have to dive into that. And uh, if the benefits outweigh the cost, then those are some of the things that we start to look at long term, the taxes, we start to look at that. And now we have to start making decisions before the end of the year. Are we going to tie the knot or not? So, yeah. Yo, OK, give me OK, we'll wrap this up. But give me a scenario where that works, because yeah. there might be somebody watching this at the end of the year and they about to put this clip together for a boo and say, listen, here's why we did. You so I have a client right now who just got bought out by another company and his company is now becoming a franchise. He's expected to do north of 20, 30 million dollars this year. His wife is positioned to be the real estate professional, except she's not his wife yet. They're engaged and they own properties, but the properties are in her name. Ooh. She could leverage all the losses. He won't receive any of the losses on tax return because they don't file married filing joint. 
first thing I said to them, how soon can we get married? Is it, wow. is it a possibility? Because she has all of these properties over here that I can leverage on top of all these other strategies that I can leverage too. I can create enough losses on the tax return to have a huge, huge tax savings for you. Dang. And then if I can estimate how much I save them and I share that number with them, they have a decision to make. Wow. Listen, girl, go pressure your, pressure, <laughs> go pressure your man, go pressure your girlfriend. <laughs> And say, listen, this is why we need to get married. Okay. Talk from a logical, especially you talking to entrepreneurs. Yeah. That might, that might work. Talking to some entrepreneurs, because there's somebody watching it, maybe they're not an entrepreneur, but they want to get married. Yeah. And the person they're dealing with is playing games when you talk in terms of numbers. Yeah. It's extremely important that you're on the same page with your partner. Mm. Because when you do tax planning, they have to be included. Tax planning is done at the business level and at the individual level. Because when you file business tax returns, everything flows to your individual tax return unless you're a C corporation. That's lit. Reese, yeah. you probably need to find somebody right quick, bro. Save on taxes. It's important. So, man, let everybody know how to find you and then close us out with a word of wisdom. But about the challenge, though. Yeah. What? Should I join the challenge? You should absolutely join the challenge. It'll allow for you to spend five days with me. And I'll help you implement some of these tax strategies that we talked about into your own tax plan. Okay, so I know you being my tax advisor, um, it's it's a five-figure investment, okay? So if I'm going to spend five days with you, that's what, 40 grand? Oh, no, grand? no. It's less than $300 to spend five days with me. You can choose to go what? VIP and pay $297 or general admission $97 by visiting uh, the thetaxfreewealthchallenge.com. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm pretty much going to give away all of my game over the five days. You got a number? You got a number of people can Yeah, yeah. If you want to uh, text tax free wealth at 74121, that'll also enter you into the challenge as well as just give you access uh, to my free ebook, which will allow for you guys to have my top 10 tax strategies for new entrepreneurs. Mm, yeah. I need that. Yep. I need it. So text, what's the number? So text 74121, tax free wealth at 74121 to get access to my top 10 tax strategies for business owners and new entrepreneurs and to introduce yourself in a chance to join the tax free wealth challenge. Good. Mark, put that like throughout the what, the episode because I think I think people really need these strategies. So yeah. if you can, just like, just have it pop up. Just that, just get the book, man. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, please, man, just, again, it's been a pleasure. Um, I learned a whole, whole lot. And what I learned is that I don't I don't know much. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's like the more you learn, the more you realize, yo, there are, some, there are some secrets out here. And there are some rooms that we don't have access to. And they're talking about all kinds of stuff that we won't figure out for decades. Yeah. For it's, centuries. It's all about finding the right tennis shoes, right? And then once you get comfortable in those tennis shoes, you realize, okay, there's just going to be another pair of tennis shoes in this game of life that's going to allow me to run faster, make more money, save more money, invest more money. Yeah. And that's how I look at the tax code. There's levels to it and there's levels to access to information. And on this road of entrepreneurship, we're all trying to go and build our businesses fast, make money extremely fast. And so it's going to require you to get access to more information. It's like putting on brand new tennis shoes. I love it. I love mm -hmm. it. Yo, you're married, right? I am. Yeah. Happily married. You got to, um, you got to, uh, okay. 
Okay, last question. And this, I don't know. Is, that, this a is that a tax play? Yeah! <laughs> that's what you were thinking. Is it a tax, it a tax play? It might be a little bit of a tax play. <laughs> I mean, it definitely serves the tax return. Filing married, filing joint actually puts you into the lowest tax brackets. I have a lot of taxpayers that keep their finances separate, thinking that it's saving them money on taxes. Majority of the time, it actually makes more sense to file married, filing joint. I think I'm filing joint. I keep some money separate, though. <laughs> Do you keep one account? You want your spouse? I we have joint accounts, and then I do have one separate account. You know that account that I got. She know about it. She knows, she knows about now. the account. But that's that. the account that I have to have separate, just because she can't be, you know, auditing the accounts that I'm buying her birthday gifts in. You know what I'm saying? So there's ah, got to be, there got to be some that's separate true. accounts that I that I operate in. So yeah. Did you did you have any? Do you advise prenuptials, or is that just kind of like a, a like a world thing? I think that's almost like asking me, uh, do I believe in having an LLC? And the answer would be yes, because an LLC is asset protection. At the end of the day, if you both care about each other, you would probably take it upon yourself to establish a prenuptial agreement. I mean, it's, it's just, it's no emotion whatsoever. It's just safety. That's all what? it is. Yeah, I, I attach no emotion behind it. I thought about it, mm -hmm. but then I thought what you would say back. I was like, no, oh, I'm cool. <laughs> we're gonna be together anyway forever yeah. baby when you've when you've been in the tax office and you've talking to so many different taxpayers who have gone through divorce situations husband uh you know got into a situation you start to realize you know life happens man life happens whether you want it to or not and so you always want to make sure that you're protecting yourself and if you care about your spouse you want to make sure they're protected too mm. marty got a prenup no, nah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's all the <laughs> that more reason. <laughs> you got, I got three kids. That's only like three prenups. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Okay, I like the way you said that with confidence, too. Like, yeah, of course I got prenup. And your wife probably understands it. Yeah, she does, absolutely. Yeah, we're both on the same page when it came to that. You don't think that means that you're leaning more towards a possibility that this... Thing. Now you're bringing emotion back into yes, it. Yes, I am bringing mm -hmm. emotion into it. Okay. So when you bring emotion into a discussion that is simply dealing with what happens in the event of, you would want your spouse to feel taken care of and you would want to be taken care of. So if you strip all of the, but this could end up happening, this could end up happening, just look at the fact that you care about your spouse being taken care of, you care about yourself being taken care of, then yeah, it's starting to be something to look into. That's hard. Yeah. That's hard. I'm, I'm going to go try to say it. <laughs> Imagine me trying to recreate that. Yo, so he said, take the emotion out of it, right? She's like, what are you talking about? I'm not emotional. That's funny. Okay. All right. So listen, man, thank you so much. This has been a real, real pleasure. Yeah. It really has. Thank you. Uh, I'm looking forward to getting your book. And uh, yeah, close this out, man, with a word of wisdom. Give us something we can take to the bank. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first off, I just want to say thank you guys so much for making it to the end of this podcast. If you're someone that has enjoyed this podcast and it's it's upon you to take the next step to do something about it, feel free to join the Tax-Free Wealth Challenge by visiting our website and come spend five days with me and allow me to show you these tax strategies and unlock something for you. If you believe in positioning your family to be able to grow generational wealth, it's going to start with understanding the tax game and I'm positioning myself to be your teacher. Also, something to understand is that there are those who have already figured this game out. It's up to you to, to to even jump in, right? There's certain people who don't even understand that there is a game around taxes. There's certain people who understand there is a game around taxes and they don't even want to jump into the water. 
every single person is being taxed in the United States. When you go outside, you need to understand that. There are certain levels of seriousness that certain people have around taxes. And I want you to know that certain entrepreneurs and investors have solved the tax problem. If you're open to solving that problem for you, I look forward to seeing you on the five-day challenge. Visit the taxfreewealthchallenge.com or you can text taxfreewealth to 74121. And I look forward to helping you save. It is. Listen, man, we can't close it out no better than that. All right, first off, Follow Carlton, Carlton, get the ebook. Okay, join the challenge. You need to challenge yourself to get in a better financial situation. Even if you're not even like, you're not making millions, do it. Educate yourself about finances. You'll learn some things about wealth that will make you wealthy, okay? So now's the time to get started. Don't be rushing to the hospital at the end of the year, all right? Um, and also, go get you some social proof, okay? Go build something. Go build it. Big. Come join the most amazing live mentorship and accountability group for entrepreneurs every morning. Let's go. The, the, the Morning Meetup. Do you have a business idea you need to get off the ground? Do you currently work a nine to five and are looking for supplemental income? Come and network with like-minded individuals and take your business to the next level. Every morning from 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time with David Shand and friends. Try The Morning Meetup today for just $1. Head over to themorningmeetup.com. That's themorningmeetup.com.